Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, you've probably seen the news story that Alexa is eerily laughing at people now. Um, Of course, Alexa is that little monitoring device that Amazon produces that people just have sitting around in their living room listening all the time. And, you know, the selling point about uh, Alexa is, well, uh, she makes life more convenient. So you say, hey, Alexa, who played Frankenstein in the Mel Brooks movie? Or, hey, uh, Alexa, how about we turn on a little Beethoven in the house? Or, hey, Alexa, uh, let's dim the lights some. Or, hey, Alexa, let's make it 68 degrees in here instead of 70. And that's all cool. Problem is, Alexa is also listening when you commit a murder and uh, do other things that you might want to keep uh, private or on the down low. Um, it's amazing to me that people are, are comfortable just having a little, a little monitor sitting there listening all the time. And now they've been saying Alexa is just spontaneously laughing. And at first, it was considered an urban legend. But now Amazon has not only acknowledged that this is a real phenomenon, they say, oh, we have an explanation. Um, Alexa is just misunderstanding what's happening. We're working on fixing the bug. Misunderstanding. Is this what it looks like when artificial intelligence finally starts to become independent and realizes how stupid people are? It just starts laughing at us? Um, you know, I, I'm i in my 40s now, so I don't know if I'm, I'm getting old too quickly, but uh, I just don't think I could ever have some kind of technology sitting there listening to me all the time. No matter how convenient it is, we probably already have that happening regardless. You know, they say that cell phones and TVs and stuff can do that uh, if directed to anyway. Um, But, you know, for me, I was talking last night with with Lauren and a few friends about, you know, the interesting thing about being in your 40s, it's, you know, midlife. And so you're able to sort of look in both directions you look at the past and you look at the future and you can kind of make a judgment about where things might be heading and it just never looks that great does it i mean you want to be optimistic but uh i think you know most people no matter what era they live in they they look at the next 40 years and they're like looks like there's a lot of potential to screw things up here badly um so yeah it's interesting to have this point of view uh to be right there in the middle of your life, especially if you're somebody like me who is sort of an amateur historian or whatever. I mean, I I like to look back and um, try to put myself in the shoes of people who lived before me. It is also true, they say, when you're in your 40s, you can date anybody. You You can be with somebody who's 20 or somebody who's 80, and, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, and he's in his 40s. It's one of those things where life suddenly takes on a new perspective. And it does make sense to me 
that there is this concept for what some call the quickening. You know, in ancient Greece, supposedly there was this battle, the Battle of Marathon, which took place around 490 BC. And there was a messenger named Philippides who ran approximately 26 miles from the battlefield of Marathon to Athens. He burst into a room and he exclaimed, We have won! Before collapsing and dying. If you look at the photograph, or excuse me, (laughs) the painting of this at Wikipedia, he is butt naked. Hmm. I guess that maybe that slows you down a little bit when you're running that fast. Or maybe that's just what it means to be Greek. But regardless, that was fast. This guy ran 26 miles to deliver this message. I don't know how quickly he ran that. I've never never run a marathon, and I am pretty seriously doubt that's ever going to happen for me. Then we move up to, hey, the 1860s. 1860, everybody was really excited. The Pony Express was around here in the U.S. Pony Express was um, only around for 19 months. Isn't that something? Everybody knows about the Pony Express, but it was pretty short-lived from 1860 to 1861, just before the Civil War. And uh, a Pony Express rider, he would get on a pony and he would haul ass with a message, and he could make it all the way from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast, or vice versa, in 10 days. And that was astounding to everyone. Now, of course, you pick up your cell phone. You can text somebody in China. No wires. We just send a signal that bounces from here to there, into space, and down to China. You text somebody, they get the message almost instantly you can take a little handheld ham radio and you can talk to people in the international space station as they fly overhead in they're in outer space and you have this little handheld thing with no wires we are still in contact with the voyager one craft that is 14 billion miles away and is not even in our solar system anymore. Um, this is what the quickening is all about. And a lot of people say that this has been uh, even quicker since the Roswell crash in 1947. If you look at the way that technology has evolved and developed since 1947, indeed there is, indeed there is something... Uh, truly miraculous about the rate at which technology has increased and so as we can communicate with things farther and farther away we are simultaneously digging deeper and deeper into making our technology here right here at home right in your living room come to life making it intelligent and some people say hey it's just a matter of time until we're just like terminator right and uh, there's a war that's going to break out between the AI and the regular old people. And then you have those out there 
like Elon Musk, who suggests that, no, 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 we just incorporate the AI into ourselves, so we become AI. You just plug a little thing onto your brain, and now you have the same ability as the AI. And it all starts to make you question what this thing called intelligence is, whether it's artificial intelligence or just intelligence or military intelligence or whatever. What is intelligence? And what is that boundary between the organic and the inorganic, the mind and the machine, right? These are complex questions. Yesterday I had a uh, phone conversation with a good friend I've known for a long time. I think he'd be fine with me using his name, but I won't. And we haven't seen each other in years. And... uh I said, and I knew him when he was just a bachelor, and now he's married and he has two little daughters. And he and I used to have a lot of philosophical conversations about a lot of strange things. And I said to him, now, you know, I look back and I remember the things that we talked about, and, and yet here you are, and you're married, you have two kids that you're raising up in this world. Because I don't have any kids, and... uh my wife has, we, we've never wanted kids, and so neither one of us have ever had any kids. <laughs> and so, um, that's, I, there's no way I could live the life I live if I had kids. Trust me on that. So I asked him, I said, as, as a father in this world, which is so chaotic, you know, because I grew up in a world where there was no internet. I, I never even heard the word email until I was a freshman in college. And mind you, I'm not that old of a guy. Again, I'm just in my 40s. That shows you how recent these developments are. So I said to him, now the, we, these kids, they're born into a world where the internet, it just exists. It's there. They have everything they can ever imagine right at their fingertips. And they're distracted, you know, by everything in the world. I said, how, how do you parent? You know, what are you teaching? Because one of his daughters is uh, about two years old. The other is about six. I said, what's the number one thing that you pass along to, to your kids? And he answered me very quickly. I was surprised. I thought that he would have to think about that for a minute, but he, he seemed to know his plan. He said, forced empathy. And I chuckled a bit and I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, I think it's important to never judge somebody however they act without pausing for a minute to think about where that person is coming from. And he said that is what you know humanizes you basically and he talked about how in his line of work there were a lot of guys who could be assholes from time to time and you have to think hey maybe this guy's having a bad day because of a b c or d right so he said that's the most important thing is to um to understand where the other person's coming from and i said you know what that's very admirable that sounds a lot like the golden rule doesn't it to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Um, and, and that is probably the best way for us to all maintain a harmonious society. 
I was not raised exactly like that, though. My parents always told me, if anybody messes with you, punch them in the nose. (laughs) And I think I've turned out okay. So those are two different approaches to life. But um, it really is, I think, a much more complex time now because we do have all of these things that we could have never imagined would be available that are suddenly available. They just are there. I know a man who told me he would never, ever have a cell phone. That he just he's a technophobe and he's just freaked out. And uh, he got his first email the other day and he seems pretty giddy about it. <laughs> and he's got a cell phone too. Um, the world's changing and I do wonder, I do wonder, are we doing this all on our own? Or are we being guided? Are we getting some help? Is some technology being seeded here slowly? Because it may seem like we're moving slowly, but if you look at all of history, we're moving really, really, really quickly now. You know, from the marathon to the Pony Express to the Telegraph to now, you know, we're we're in touch with a satellite that's 14 billion miles away outside of the solar system. It's a lot to process. But at very least, you can think about it and think about the appropriate perspective on life, on humanity, what all this may mean. These are the kinds of things that I find interesting. I'm sure you do as well. And if you go to my website, joshuapwarren.com, there is no period after the P, joshuapwarren.com, and click around, you can find a lot of content that will just make you sort of scratch your head and say, huh? Uh, I hope while you're there, you'll also visit the Curiosity Shop. I got another email today from a man. You wouldn't believe this email. I started to read it, but this guy, he found out that the Golden Ruby is sold out and he was going to buy one and he is just like beside himself. I mean, he wrote me, it almost sounds like a suicide letter. You know, he wanted one of these things so badly and I have to break the news to him. I haven't written because he says, do you have one somewhere? You know, um, if you're interested in any of the stuff in the curiosity shop, you know, it comes and goes. So go check that out. You better get it if you want something. And the same thing goes for tickets to the big event in Las Vegas this May where you get to hang out with a lot of like-minded people and we're going to have a time that will change your life. You're going to go back home and you're going to say, I thought Joshua P. Warren was bullshitting me, but boy, that was a life-changing experience. It blew my mind and you're going to be a, a much, much happier person all that info is at joshuapwarren.com, as well as a link to this podcast. It's called Joshua P. Warren Daily. It's always free. It's always short. You can subscribe to this through the webpage or just follow me on Twitter, at Joshua P. Warren, and I will tweet usually when a new one is posted. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.